in space to a Sentai Truther Club. Power Rangers, Power Rangers, Rangers and residents of the Lost Galaxy, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Hey, hey, what's happening? And today, we are getting schooled. Because we've got Kenzo in the house. Thank Mr. you. Time himself. I will. I am. I'm the student today, though, because uh, Lost Galaxy. This was a new experience for me, so I, I'm. I'm the. I'm the student today. What is your general experience with the Power Rangers, Kenzo? So I think you know because I'm older. I'm like one generation. So the original Power Rangers, I remember pretty well. That was like the big after school cartoon, uh, not cartoon, but after school. Uh, uh, Japanese uh, fighting Action show yeah. um, that we love. It's, it's just a cartoon with real people. Yes. <laughs> and uh, when by the time Lost Galaxy came out, I was like in college. I was like at the club or something, you know. 1999, <laughs> I, uh, you were in college? Yes. Wow. I am old. So uh, this was a treat. I One of the things that I loved about watching this was I they didn't overdo the CGI. That was something I'm like, oh, you know, everything sucks now because of CGI, but there was a lot of practical effects and pyrotechnics. So like they, they keep true to that, the formula. So I was, I was happy to, to do the homework on the show. Yeah, awesome. this is the most expensive season of Power Rangers yet. Uh, that oh, yeah? Watched. Yes. Uh, shows were canceled for this. Mystic Knights of Tiernanog season two got canceled uh, <laughs> to add its budget to the Lost Galaxy budget. and then. Like half of that budget went towards Lost Galaxy, and the other half actually went to Digimon, the animated series. Mm. Uh, in Space was already like a; it was more expensive than In Space, and In Space was already the most expensive season. Uh, and In Space was the send-off, and here we are in Lost Galaxy, and the process in which we chose the best and worst was uh, it was janky this time, super janky. Uh, like How'd you it was season two. We had we had like a similar like situation where like I was kind of like in a mess and like I was just kind of like grab just pick somewhat because like I can't really figure this out. We kind of had a similar situation, but in reverse this time, where I I had my choices locked in, grab didn't, and then uh, there was a little dispute later, and we'll, we might talk about that a little bit now or maybe in season review about whether or not at least one episode in particular, and I think that there's some merit to this discussion, should have been considered for the best. We'll get into that later, though. <laughs> I, think, I think it's that we can't really skirt around it just because uh, it's going to relate to like how we picked the episodes in general and what our vibes were going into this. What an interesting season, though, to even deliberate best episodes on. Like, I really didn't think that Kennedy mm -hmm. and I would be so far different on the the best and worst episodes. I think because we watched a good number of the episodes together, but the important ones that we were deliberating on took place after we had stopped watching together and diverged. So, like, our opinions of the last half is, like, unknown to each other outside of like a couple of senses here and there but it definitely influenced like what was said in the dms versus <laughs> what we've actively discussed mm. like in conversation and stuff is 
is like completely different. <laughs> so well, like the first half of this season, we'll get more into this later, but the first half of this season was just wildly trashy. Mm. And Kenzo, you were spared from the worst of it, although we did show you Redemption Day, a little peek into the sort of just absolute bizarre garbage that the first half was regularly spitting out. <laughs> well, there was also my episode was uh, the one where the Rangers were like running through the night. And that one I thought was probably the best one from the first half. And this season was villain focused. Like we can't even yeah. really discuss our best and worst without saying that this season is so tilted to the villains. It's insane. And and I don't I understand why. I didn't. I thought maybe that was what lost Galaxy's shtick was. I didn't realize that this season was special in that way. Yeah, because it's, the it's rest of the seasons were like cool. Sixth Ranger or um, the Rangers themselves being the 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 driving force of change. But in this case, it was the villains were pretty much the the driving forces of change, mm -hmm. which led to a lot of character development there. But then, like, hey. You still got five other characters. You not. You need to develop over time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I mean, definitely, these were some of the most just passive, reactive Rangers we've ever had that are waiting <laughs> for the next thing and then dealing with it poorly. Um, while meanwhile, the villains are like off, like having this whole adventure and like having woes and struggles and caring about things. It's a very different world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Kennedy, how did you want to do this? Did you want to start with uh, my episode since it comes first in the thing? Did you want to talk about the worst first? What did you want to do? Talk about the worst one. All right. So this worst episode, Kennedy and I both agreed on. Yeah. Uh, I agree it was really bad. <laughs> I watched the three. The first two were entertaining. And the third one, like, I, I watched it. But, like, I honestly, like, my attention was not caught at any given moment like i was waiting for it to to start to make sense so yeah it, it was a bad episode <laughs> yeah redemption day is so the magna defender is this uh very pivotal character of the first half of the season that sort of shows up and he has this sort of as grav so perfectly put it sort of nicholas cage personality uh, where he's like, I'm, 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 I'm an honorable warrior, but I'm also my heart is dark, and I'm not <laughs> your friend. Uh, I only fight because of my reasons, and you could never understand them. Basically, kind of shtick. And so the Magna Defender is pretty pivotal to like a lot of this like early season stuff that goes on, and then. It all ends with Redemption Day, where he sort of comes to a close of his arc and uh, the powers get transferred on to a new person. But uh, if that sounds cool, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ex, like, you find out that Magda Defender is like, <laughs> like, you kind of already get the feeling that he's a shitty person, but he's like a cool shitty person because he has such a tragic backstory. The body count mm. in this series in general of people dying, like normally it's like zero or like mm -hmm. two or three. The body count in this season's like seven. 
at least. No, Just when off Kendrick's the top of my died, head. I'm like, damn, that was yeah. quick. I didn't, you know, I, I purposely watched the episode before watching the uh, synopsis, so I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's a heavy body count here. It, it's kind of like... The more not in the sex grid. kind, the, the death kind, right? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. The more it's not grid. nearly as sexy as in space. Yeah, no. <laughs> this, this season's nowhere. This season actually made me very dry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, except for the Magna Defender, uh, definitely would on Magna Defender. <laughs> so. Should I just, I just try to describe how this episode goes a little bit or what? <laughs> I think like Magna Defender in general is mm. Big Daddy. He's Big Daddy from Kick-Ass. Yeah. Portrayed by Nicolas Cage, except his daughter died. So like instead of having this whole like I'm training my daughter to be an assassin, it's my son died. I am seeking vengeance. So every scene with like Magna Defender in it is just like. So, anyways, I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> like Magna Defender, Magna Defender has the pumpy, and he's not afraid to use it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's always blasting. This this episode is bizarre as hell because basically it starts out with Scorpius needs to like steal fuel from Terra Venture. At first, they go to steal this fuel, and it seems like the, the... So the fuel stealing starts fucking up the whole space station, and it seems like the fuel stealing is going to destroy the space station, maybe, if not stopped. But then, Magna Defender is like, I'm gonna blow up part of the space station to kill Scorpius. And they have a volcano on the space station, because these people are brilliant. True liberal shit. Yeah, they're like, we need the full... TerraVenture fucking sucks. You know what TerraVenture proves? Is that even in fiction, like, trying to colonize a different planet is such a like, astronomical effort that you might as well put all that money and effort into just making the Earth a better place. Because, like, so much has to go right. Right? Because, like, even when you break down TerraVenture, where this is, like, for the most part... It's a best case scenario every single time uh, for, for this spaceship that has like tu unprotected tunnels to go to different biomes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Honestly, this season should have never taken place in space, but that's something that we'll, we'll really divulge in uh, in the, the season in review. But uh, in particular, it's excessively egregious in this episode. And it, it, you think like, this is our worst episode, but I <laughs> shit you not. You want to talk about second, third, fourth worst episodes? The end to this series has like, they were like, oh, let's just completely forget of like the mechanics of how space works. And it, it suddenly <laughs> goes from like, oh, we're taking space somewhat seriously and can explain some of it to uh, no, it's just Jimmy Neutron. It's like it's like the scene in Jimmy Neutron where Jimmy is in his plane and Carl is like, hey, if we're in space, how come we don't need to wear helmets? And Jimmy's like, well, it's easy. And then, like, you know, uh, Carl or Sheet is, like, singing while the other one's getting the information. Yeah, I wish we had a scene like that because, <laughs> holy fuck. Like, they were all over the place with this type of shit. 
And it's like, why would you have an active, like a potentially active <laughs> volcano inside of a spaceship? You also call it to question the morality of Magna Defender because for the most part, he works at moral grays. No, in this one, he's just an asshole because he didn't get what he wanted, which was the lights of Orion. Yeah, because in the previous episode or the episode before that, I can't remember exactly, the Power Rangers get the lights of Orion. It's their next upgrade of new toys. And uh, Magna Defender is upset because he wanted them. That he's just literally like a, a large part of this is just him throwing a tantrum. Mm. He's like, I'm gonna blow up the space station because I didn't get a new sword. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Very like, childish. uh, yeah, it's extremely childish. And the lights of Orion isn't even like a good power, <laughs> like, that's the what? worst part about it. What drugs were the were writers on, like TV writers on in the 90s, late 90s? Because the 80s, every every sitcom was totally cocaine. Like you could you could spot on from the dialogue, but like what were they on to like figure they to, to come up with this shit? Quaaludes or something weird? I don't even no. know. It's a legal drug. It's a le yeah. it's I guarantee you it's something you can get at a gas station because Saban didn't want to supply uh, them with a steady stream of cocaine. So Saban was just like Yes, that trucker, the trucker speed, the ephedrine that was huge back then. That's right. Not that I know for any reason, but I I know that I <laughs> happen to know that kids would take some of those and would open up the bronchioles in their lungs. So when they would they could smoke less weed and get high. Um, I've heard they were doing some they, these people were <laughs> fucked up on something. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, so the thing is, is that, you know, they had that problem and Saban always has this problem where every time they have a big success with the show, they don't know what to do next, but they have a lot of money and they're just mm. like partying down and fucking it up. Um <laughs> Saban had a, had a good week, though, with uh, Sheldon Edelson dying. Like Saban is the number one uh, Israel guy now, right? Like he's there's no more competition. <laughs> There is a Netflix <laughs> show where it reviews like oh, the biggest toy crazes of whatever year or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix and there's one that covers Power Rangers and we're going to cover it in a Patreon episode. Mm. If you just listen, just like audio only listen to it. And not, like, fall for, like, visual trickery to, like, uh, they try to make Saban look like a clever guy versus, like, an exploitative <laughs> businessman. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking, it'll, rattle, it'll radicalize you. Because, like, so all Saban did was go to Japan on, like, a, on like a family vacation, or not even a family vacation, I'm sure. Uh, I, as, I think as we previously discussed, it's pretty clear that Saban hates women. Like, he has a profound, like, misogyny... Mm -hmm about women which and it's pretty weird because it produces like these really strong uh villain characters who are women but they're always villains and like and sometimes, well occasionally a, a there are moments where good women characters get to do good things too but it's not always clear if that's just like the product of certain writers being there at certain times. It feels like the writers like are like jumping into you know, like ad further but, characterization. But, but but one thing you can know about Saban and this Except is Kimberly. True, true like across a lot of of the shows, not just this one, but like we also reviewed 
the Mystic Knights of Tirnanog movie recently that had a woman as a villain. Like it's all women villains all the way down with Saban. Something's and going they're on good there. though. <laughs> they're good though. Like that's the thing. They're, they're well good. realized. Whoever whoever hurt him is a person he understands. Linda Sasur. <laughs> 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 if he's doing anything now he has a character uh built off her did y'all ever do uh ever talk about brad warner on the show no mm -mm. Brad, brad warner was this he was this kind of punk rock guy from ohio who got into zen buddhism and like basically fell backwards into this gig doing marketing and translation for uh the saban company and he wrote all these books about zen uh zen buddhism they're like fun beach reads they're I read a bunch of them. Um, he does kind of a hagiography on Haim because, I mean, the guy pretty much didn't have anything going on. And this guy's like, oh, you're a weeb. Uh, weebs aren't really a thing yet. So, like, let's make some money. And, like, he found a way to live in Japan very comfortably doing this. Um, he wrote a bunch of books about, I forget what they're called, but they're all, like, Zen, punk rock, whatever. Like, the title always a variation on that. Yeah. Yeah, Saban Saban wow. is an asshole. Like he's so yes. much of an asshole that uh he even kind of flaunts it in front of your face if you are in the know. Because in that documentary, right? Haim Saban has like a three foot tall statue of Die Ranger Red. And Die Ranger yes. never made it to the States. He never adapted it because A. He had toy deals for the Rangers, so he didn't want to change the suits because of the toy deals still mm. going on. And B, kids' intelligence. Like, he completely underestimates kids' intelligence, which uh, produced shows like Turbo, which was really bad. An insanely, like, strong suit design and everything. And, like, Die Ranger, and I've said it before, Die Ranger, at least compared to, like, Zoo Ranger footage that we've seen in the Power Rangers, has, like, more flares of CGI to make like action sequences appear like more dynamic and stuff like that. You know, like uh where uh Die Ranger Red would uh like punch uh an enemy multiple times in the chest with his fists and it would produce like a slight fire effect or whatever. Shit like that mm. makes it look really cool. But yeah, the asshole even has a three foot statue of a series he didn't even like adapt to the States. Fuck off. And then later on there's like a toy maker from Bondi representative <laughs> who has a statue of Talker, I think it is which Talker was another one of the Super Sentai series that never got adapted in the States. And I'm just like, man, fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that whole... They know that how whole, they're holding out on us. Yeah, they... they uh, Saban, like, had... Basically, all Saban did was, like, work on a shoestring budget to produce a Slice of Life series. It got massively successful. He made tons of bank, barely paid the actors, which caused labor issues, which caused an mm -hmm. entire season to fuck up. And then, like, he keeps finding himself in these situations where he's like, I know I made a good product, so I'm just going to keep selling it and reselling it and buying it and then reselling it. So that's, like, literally, like, Saban has made more money selling off the franchise, like, making the franchise, profiting off of that, selling off the franchise getting even more money from that, buying it on the low when Disney wanted to sell it, rebuying it, and then selling it again to Hasbro. And it's like, you just see like, you just see like ridiculous numbers. Like I'm talking like hundreds of millions of dollars in transactions mm -hmm. 
of like Hasbro buying all of Saban's like IPs and stuff like that that Saban holds and just ridiculous. I'm like, what the this guy, all this guy has to do is check his emails all day. Like check his email, say yes, no, stamp of approval. And here's a couple extra million, Saban. I'm like, uh -huh. oh my fucking God, people are starving. <laughs> we're gonna get fourteen hundred dollars and this guy he probably has someone else answer his emails too yeah yeah it's amazing that this is how bad redemption day is as an episode <laughs> that we are now this deep into just bitching about the internal process of making the power rangers and how corrupt how money just destroys things because that's what that is what you're clearly seeing here is money destroying something it's total <laughs> hollywood would this be, is a total hollywood episode of course if there's a bad episode we have to blame capitalism because everything would be perfect if we didn't have capitalism <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and i, I mean, can say that on you guys or you, you do i can't say that like on twitter at large because then people like have you ever been to a socialist country the MAGA like, defender has logged on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say, and I'm sure some weirdo socialists would cancel me for this too, probably. But I think it's fair to say that, like, there are projects that are ruined for reasons outside of capitalism. Oh, in yeah. terms of, like, there are creative projects that, like, have total money and total freedom, and they just mess it up anyway, because, like, I don't know what the heck is wrong with them. Uh, I'm looking at some of the early Netflix shows in particular, um, where like well, Netflix at, uh, put no reins on these people and they just made trash some of them. And some of them make gold with the no reins, uh -huh. to be clear. But And then there's whew. Cassie David, or Ke uh, who, you know, uh, Larry David's daughter, who we all thought, oh, this, this person is going to be a brilliant, right? And then she wrote a book and there are a bunch of uh, excerpts from it. And it is just like, the worst i don't know creative writing 101 drivel but it was about <laughs> pete davidson so it's kind of interesting you know like having your heart broken up by some you know guy who looks like pete davidson every you know straight cis woman has done that but she happened to do that experience with the guy who or who also had that experience with ariana grande and that is why she's interesting but yeah i mean capitalism should have afforded her everything in the world and she's just not that interesting yeah 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 um uh, but in this case it is capitalism yeah. <laughs> it definitely definitely is because it, it just seems like they just wanted something big and interesting to happen for the sake of something big and interesting to happen i think that's the problem with this mm. this episode and like they should have just taken a proper break after the zordon era after like you know because that was the plan was to just end the show anyway within space but then in space was a huge smash hit because it was really good they should have taken the time to properly reflect on what made in space like the best season of power rangers we've seen so far while making this show and like you know maybe taken a little longer instead saban in typical saban fashion was like let's slam out another season we gotta have it on time like you know put it on press date like it, it, you were just about to cancel the show you can take an extra year <laughs> yeah and it's all to make the sentai footage work right like we wouldn't have to be explaining that we wouldn't have to be explained to that there's a fucking volcano in a spaceship if it wasn't for the fact that they were trying to make the sentai footage work with the show which it's like, or yeah, keep inserting horses into the space season. 
Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? So, like, you think it's like a Noah's Ark type thing, right? Like, I thought it was a Noah's Ark type thing. <laughs> Legit. Like, this is like fascist Noah's Ark. And so, like, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> But Noah's just, Ark, it, though, was eco. Well, the, Noah's Ark was eco. The original eco-fascist movement. Bioessentialist. It was just animals. One person who gets to control all the animals, and yeah, fuck yeah. everyone else. <laughs> it's your a, only value is in your genetics. <laughs> Scary stuff. It's just, I don't know. Like it, it all comes to a head here, and I know we're kind of dancing around like what actually happens in the episode, other than Magda Defender activating a fucking volcano on a spaceship but it's just hard to get past that yeah it's, it's really to, how do you move past as soon as that started i was like what the fuck just what the fuck is happening this is making me want to just my soul wants to exit my body right now mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but, like the music this season would go up probably a full two points a full two points in my head on ratings or at least one at least one but probably two in my head if they didn't go for this like superman 1978 mixed with like medieval instrumentation on there where they play the same damn seven notes <laughs> over and over again with just different like variations on it while all of this bullshit is happening on screen because what ends up happening is is that i just stare at my screen i'm just there mouth agape like uh because what am i supposed to feel and it's like mm -hmm. all this crazy shit is happening on screen of like magda defender lashing out against the rangers the rangers coming back at him they start fighting and then Scorpius ends up sending his mis uh, minions to extract resources and all of this stuff, and they end up duking it out, and then the Magna Defender sacrifices his life to stop Scorpius's plan. No, he doesn't stop Scorpius. I want to be clear about this. The original premise of the episode is that Scorpius is fucking up the space station by stealing fuel or electricity. Uh, it's a little bit, they interchanged between what they're calling it a little bit, and I'm not entirely clear what he's stealing specifically. But he's stealing some type of energy or energy generation stuff from the space station, and it's fucking up the space station. And the original implication is that the space station is going to be destroyed by Scorpius's activity. I want to be clear about this. And in Magna end, Defender is just coming in it, to like in the end, agitate this. Scorpius just takes off having succeeded, gotten the fuel he wanted, and leaves. Okay? Magna Defender's whole thing with the volcano ends up being the real fuck-up that they have to deal with. It's not clear why the Scorpius thing isn't ultimately important, because they certainly imply that it is at first. But, like, in the end, the only thing that matters is the shit that Magna Defender did that was dumb. But Magna Defender, <laughs> so wait, did Magna Defender sacrifice himself to stop the volcano or to yes, stop the fight? Yes, to stop the volcano. Oh my fucking god! And this is this was after this was after his giant bull broke up with him. Hmm. Don't forget that part. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "You're no longer a bringer of light in the darkness. I'm no <laughs> I can no longer be by your side." 
<laughs> I must resign. Uh, now that you've lost the election, I must now resign from my post. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Magda Defender destroys himself to stop a problem that he created. And then he reveals, by de while he's destroying himself actively in the volcano, he reveals that, hey, by the way, Leo... Uh, I know you miss your brother very much because your brother is presumed dead. Your brother was actually like unconscious, kind of sort of about to die. But like when the, the, the cracks of the earth opened up in the intro and swallowed him. Magna Defender throws the fucking sword. This is the only cool thing in this whole episode. He throws <laughs> the fucking sword and catches Mike as he's about to fucking crash into the ground. But Magna Defender was there for 3,000 years. Just lying there, waiting to get busted out. And then he steals Mike's spiritual essence and fuses with him, like non consensually. With like the Patara earrings or whatever. And, uh, no, it's not even like Patara earrings. <laughs> he was just like, uh, no, I actually have magic powers that allow me to, like, just straight up. <laughs> like steal your very soul and add it to mine to like rejuvenate my my energy <laughs> so i'm like oh you're just an asshole cool and then like magna defender reveals this to leo <laughs> and there's this standoff between the two where uh magna's like i understand if you want to kill me and leo's like you know what yeah <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> but uh, Magda Defender sacrifices himself to stop the, the volcano, and his, what ends up happening is some bullshit where his brother comes back to physical form, and he's got his brother back. The end. It's just a, just it's, a hot pile of trash. <laughs> yeah, like, in all honesty, like, the Magna Defender stuff before wasn't, necessarily that horrible um outside of like the dragon ball z-esque oh you mentioned my suffering now i have to re-explain my suffering type bullshit but like this one was just like and some of you the know, older brother return stuff after is good too yeah yeah but this pivotal moment sucks ass yeah <laughs> and while while we're on the topic of magna defender uh, Kedzo, I don't believe you saw these episodes, but, uh, I had, my two favorite episodes were specifically Magna Defender focused. I think, in my opinion, Magna Defender is the strongest hero, quote unquote, character, I suppose, um, if you count Mike hmm. as well, um, just because you get, like, Nicolas Cage, Sixth Ranger, and then you get it to, like, fascist older brother Ranger, who who has far better acting than the rest of them. So, like, there's a, there's a good trade-off there with all this stuff. And Silent Sleep is good. It does rely really heavily on Sentai footage. Yes. But it is the Magna Defender kind of at his finest. And, you know, Power Rangers really thrives a lot of times on this dynamic of either the team is troubled and this excellent six ranger comes in and saves them or the team's doing kind of good and this excellent six ranger comes in who is also troubled and is like a badass but also kind of fucks them up and like we've had both of those dynamics work really well for the show 
So Magna Defender is sort of exceptionally good at being like a troubled sixth ranger who appears and is a badass and is helpful, but is also really hostile and abrasive and kind of fucks with the other rangers a lot. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. This is like this equivalent. This episode is the equivalent to like not in terms of quality. Just want to say that. Like, but this is like the if if uh Leo was a better actor, if Leo was a better actor in general, this season would be far better. Because a lot of the screen time is given to Leo when it cuts to the Rangers. It barely ever cuts to anyone else except for Damon saying, What the fuck? Why are you using me as bait? Constantly. Uh, which yeah, yeah, why are you using Damon as bait, huh? Huh? Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, so there's that episode in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers season two where Jason has to save the whole team and it's mostly because Tommy ran out of powers. So Tommy couldn't help save the rest of the team and, and Jason was like isolated from the rest of the team and it was up to Jason to save everybody. And this is another one of those cases where uh, some magic bullshit happens. Well, not not in terms of that episode, but in this case... Leo misses his brother so much. Carries his dog tags with him. He's like, ah, I miss my <laughs> brothers. And they're like, yeah, the dog tags. Remember that. That's going to be important for this episode because it's a load of bullshit. <laughs> the dog tags are a, that's a Chekhov's dog tag. That overly reoccurring theme. Oh my God. <laughs> so what, what happens in this uh, episode, Kennedy? Missing Green was the episode, by the way. Oh, yeah, Missing Green is the one. You're asking me to recap this one, but the problem is these early episodes, like Silent Sleep, it's like a, it's like a blurry montage of violence. Because but it's good violence. It is, but it's like, it may, we might as well have just watched whatever episode of Super Sentai Gingaman they were fucking using the footage from, because that's all we've got here, basically, in Silent Sleep. It's all Sentai footage. And, like, very, very little else. But basically, there's a villain called Chili Fish who, like, sort of freezes the city. And Leo ends up being the only ranger who's unfrozen. And the rest of the frozen are, the rest of the rangers are, like, frozen. They end up, like, on the spaceship with, like, Alpha 6, like, putting space blankets on them. It's just, like, real goofy shit. Uh, Leo is, like, trying to figure out what to do. He's trying to figure out what is keeping him safe uh, and like what like clues he could possibly rely on. Also, the Magna Defender is up to something, but as usual, the Magna Defender will not talk to anyone. He does not speak to cops. He does not uh, divulge personal information. He's one of those people that like when like a medical form asks for his social security number, he's like, do I absolutely have to give this to you? <laughs> um, <laughs> he's he's a fully realized Phantom Ranger. Yes, I w- that is correct. And so the Magnet Defender is up to something involving the lights of Orion, but he won't tell Leo what he and Leo kind of fight about it. Uh, and Leo fucks up his plan which upsets the Magna Range Defender terribly, Leo eventually realizes that the animals aren't frozen in the space station, 
which allows makes... him to uh, have a horse fight with chili fish. <laughs> there is no reason given. I've watched this episode fucking twice. There's no reason given as to why the animals aren't frozen, but regular humans are, other than like the properties of the spell. But even that's not the case because Alpha 5 freezes. So it's yes, just like, Alpha what the fuck? starts to freeze up mm. too. It's very weird. None of it really makes a ton of sense. However, the action sequences are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful Sentai footage. And the uh, the the like back and forth between Leo and Magnet Defender, very compelling scenes of them just like going just back not and forth, getting, like, not getting along at all. <laughs> yeah, because Magnet Defender wants his son back, so he's like, "I need the lights of Orion so I can revive my son." And uh, Leo is just like, "I need to save my entire space colony." And Magnifier's like, fuck you. I don't care about humans. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. And it's crazy because we never do really figure out what exactly Magna Defender is. Because mm. he transforms into a Zord in this episode. In the first, like, for the first time. <laughs> it's shown also, that his he, kid is a Zord. Yeah, his kid is also a Zord. So it's like he's like this robotic <laughs> alien race that can, like... Technically, we've seen the Green Ranger like gigantify, and we've seen Rangers gigantify at the end of Zio. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. However, Magnet Defender like himself warps into a different form after he I gigantifies. You know, I think if he yeah. like just gigantified and then like slotted into the Zord, it would be different. But because he like changes up his whole appearance and shit, and it then goes form. in, it's. It's like, that's got to hurt if you're human. Unless mm. you're Samus Aran. <laughs> right? I thought that was fucking Pog. The only thing that would make this... Honestly, the only thing that would make this episode better, the score. If the music scoring was straight... The whole fucking time, like, this would be like a nine. Nine or a ten. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know what? It's bullshit about the whole, like, animals not being frozen. But if it gets me a horse, Power Ranger, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think i agree <laughs> yeah because uh, like the end scene is fucking red ranger on horseback against the monster that like did the sleeping spell on horseback and they do mm -hmm. like this whole like they're basically jousting. samurai jousting-esque <laughs> thing and i'm like ah this is fucking dank as fuck dude yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. The horse even, like, when he transforms into the, the Red Ranger outfit, the horse also transforms, giving it, like, a red helmet and shit. <laughs> it's dope. It's just yeah. dope. There's so many, like, they fucking went there moments, you know? And that's, <laughs> to me, to me, that's that's what I like most about Power Rangers. When it's able to take, like, already tread concepts and just, like, yeah, but this is Power Rangers, so we can do whatever the fuck we want, and we're going to pog out while we do it. Just fucking go for it. And that leads me into my second favorite episode, which is another Magna Defender episode. I thought it was Escape from Lost Galaxy. It's a Magna Defender episode. Well, but at the end of the season. Yeah. I think we should talk about Escape from Lost Galaxy in season review, because the lo whole Lost Galaxy thing itself is something we're going to have to talk about. Okay. I, I understand. You, you see what I'm saying? I, I see like, what you're saying. 
we don't need to get too into this right now because we'll probably cut most of this. But the whole thing is like this whole season is named Lost Galaxy. And then the pivotal Lost Galaxy plotline is this thing that happens at the very end. And is just, it's weird as hell. I will say, though, my my second favorite is for sure Escape from Lost Galaxy. Um, so even though we're not going to discuss it because we can't really talk about it without going like extensively into details, I do want to mm. mention a couple of things. And that's namely... Um, this is when they start really fucking up the space element. It, it begins kind of at this episode, and it, it begins at the end of this episode before <laughs> yeah. they just go full, like, jump the shark territory. But there's slave trade involved, where, like, villains are actively engaging in slave trade for gems, like apartheid South Africa type shit. Yeah, that's definitely going on. Proposed beheadings happen where like they're they're dead ass about to like behead a ranger if it wasn't for someone speaking up at a time. Um Mike, Mike is now the magnet defender. He gets the sixth ranger power, which is the magnet defender power, and it's pogged, fucking pogged out, out the gourd when he uh he finally like get this is like the ep it's really weird because character development with Mike is kind of sort of there, right? Because we get like the first intro. And then we get, like, when he comes back and he gets the Magnet Defender po power, he's like, ah, oh, Pog, dude, I'm Pogging. And then, like, he's just like, I am. And then they're all like, yeah, you're second in command of the ship now. And he's like, well, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> Call me if you need me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I think it kind of plays into the whole, like, Power Rangers do not escalate fights unless they need to be escalated. So, like, Magna Defender hmm. really doesn't come into fights unless they need to escalate it. So that's cool. Uh, but really, the biggest plot development, character development that happens with Mike full-on is that Escape from Lost Galaxy episode, which is, like, yeah, the fourth episode from the end of the show. So, <laughs> late in the game, but hey, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, it's actually a really at good least, episode. At least they got it in somewhere, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> We're now going to cut to Kennedy's best episodes, and this is where we diverged because literally the episode prior to your first favorite, we it, had watched together. That's where we were like, man, I hope this series gets a lot better because it is like, like we were watching it and we were just like, Ugh. yeah, the right before this was the Lost Galactabeasts, which is just was just garbage. Just this wildly stupid two-parter. And uh, we we had been watching some of this stuff as a group. And then uh, we were like, we can't do this. We have to stop. This is We can't watch any more of this. Um, and it's too bad we didn't stick it out for one more episode. Because right after that was Heir to the Throne. And I had kind of remembered. And when we were watching it, I mentioned, I was like, I think around mid-season, the show gets a little better. And there's some twists that kind of like help put that together. Heir to the Throne is where this starts to realize. And it's, it's a really interesting episode. Does it tell you anything much about the Power Rangers? No, but you get to learn all about the villains. And it's fun. <laughs> it is. It is really fun. And uh, I'm just going to say it. This episode made Trakina better than Astronema. At the very least, it would have been amazing to have an episode like this for one of the previous villains that we liked, like Astronema or Divatox. Divatox had, like uh, had the pizza parlor episode. That was good enough. Yeah, but she didn't have like a she didn't have like a 
like a Rocky. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what this is. This is like a villain Rocky. I kind of looked at it as Trakina is like uh, AOC in a way. Like she went to the bar and you had the everyone is <laughs> trying to get her to force the vote and being rough to her. She's like, uh, and then she, you know, she, she trained up. She she walked right back into Congress and she's like, no, we're going to do leadership differently. And uh, really, you know, pissed off all of the forced to vote people who were just, you know, the scumbags at the bar. That's what I read when I was watching it. She's a strong, you know, strong, beautiful woman, just like AOC. Well, prior to this episode, every like it wasn't kind of explained why Trakina would do the things that she would do. Like there's like skin surface level deep, like characterization to Trakina where she's like, Mm. like she has her moments. She wasn't a bad villain. I want to reiterate the villains were not the problem this season, even before this point. It was always they the Rangers that were the problem. Good before this point, but because they get a lot better after this point, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. But they were fine before. They weren't bad. They were still like pretty top tier in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, um Trikino yeah. would like say, Hey, let me in on your plan because I am interested in the likes of Orion as well. Or like, you know, I want to help out and do all these things. Just let me know. And there was two instances. One, she was like, hey, let me know the lights are Orion. And she actually provided backup, but that she kind of sort of didn't really do too much and then left the scene. And then the second one, she was going to get the lights of Orion with this other character who was going to defeat the Magda Defender. But the enemy of the week was just like, get away. Like... You costed me like this fight because I had to like worry about you when you shouldn't have mm-hmm. been there. So we kind of are like, huh? Don't know if that makes sense. Cause she already looks like she's pretty powerful, but no, uh, looks are deceiving. She was not. Yeah, it turns out that in this case, like the whole Scorpius Trakina like dynamic of like Scorpius keep like continuing to tell Trakina, like, oh, you're not really ready to like uh, join in the major plots yet like wasn't mm-hmm. just him being like a dick dad it was like somewhat founded in reality because Trakina's not incredibly strong yet um, and I think no. if you put together a supercut of all of Trakina's scenes up till now you could see a clear pattern of like she wants power but she's not quite ready for it and that all comes to a head here as she's off on this planet called Onyx. And in the meantime, Deviat is using this opportunity of Trakina being gone to plot against Scorpius because he knows that Trakina doesn't always tell Scorpius what she's up to. So he pretends that Trakina is missing and that it's like an emergency to like lure Scorpius into a trap, thinking that he will finally like seize all the power for himself. Um, which this kind of like Machiavellian or sort of like Shakespearean like villain drama stuff is like pretty typical of the best seasons and best moments of Power Rangers. And like mm-hmm. it's really shining here, I think, with like the machinations of all these characters sort of coming together in these various ways and like the ways that they behave all sort of contributing to like a really solid plot. So Trakina goes to the saloon and rubs everybody the wrong way, gets in a fight and gets her ass basically just handed to her instantly because it turns out, like we said, looks are deceiving. And this is where we meet one of the season's more interesting villains, 
Villamax. He's got he's the good. hots for Trakina. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, like he's simping. from the get. From the mm-hmm. get. He is full on simp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's definitely got some like incel, like low-key red pill. <laughs> like kind of thing going on where he's like i will find a milady who values my honorable spirit one day uh she'll need me she'll be in distress in some strange situation and then it happened uh overall villamax is like a fun villain he's interesting and like he basically saves trakina and is like listen uh, maybe I could train you to be a great warrior. Trakina's like, yeah, screw it. And thus the Rocky montage uh, begins <laughs> of them mm. running around in the desert, punching each other. Did There's you mention, motorcycles. Did you mention that, uh, that uh, the, the bar fight that happens is the exact same bar in In Space? It, yes. Onyx has appeared before. Yes. And not only that. But this is a uh, foreshadowing. Yes. Because they didn't, they reused some in space stuff like the Astro Mega Ship, but they never really revisited locations. This one, though, this is a little bit more intense. Like, uh, uh some more, yeah. more in space stuff. Hmm. Some clear, hmm. clear story ties to the previous <laughs> season, which they had sort of shied away from at first. Not to the benefit of anything in particular, because the new things they came up with were just bizarre. <laughs> so, meanwhile, on Terra Venture, uh, the Rangers end up in a warehouse looking for this energy cell because they saw Deviat and some Stingwingers up to something, and they get led all around the city. And who is there? It's Scorpius, who has been tricked to like be there looking for Trakina. And so Scorpius is like, where's my daughter? And the Rangers is like, what the hell are you talking about? Die. And hmm. just straight kill him, which is a little unusual for the Power Rangers and a villain. Um, the Rangers usually, like, chase off or reform or do something with the villains that's, like, a little more indirect. A little bit more liberal. Um Dark Spectre did die at the end of In Space, and a couple of other villains did straight up die at the end of In Space, but it was built up to over the course of all of the Zordon era of Power Rangers, basically, to like allow like a couple of major villains who weren't that likable and were pretty inhuman to die. The, now it's just like, whatever, body count, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at this point, Magna Defender already died. So that's, that's someone. Magna Defender's kid died. Mike died once, and now... Mike was assumed dead, and even if he comes back, he was assumed dead for long enough that, like, the emotional impact of his death was sort of explored and stuff as if it was, you know, I, I real think, I think Magna to Defender, some extent. I think Magnum Defender is straight up stealing Mike's life force. It's like, motherfucker was dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> Magna Defender has the power to, like, re... re- Resurrect life as well. Don't get me wrong in terms of like bringing Mike back, but like, nah, motherfucker was dead. <laughs> uh, so you've got Magnet Defender, Magnet Defender's uh, kid, Mike, and now you've got Trakina's father and Scorpius is now Scorpius. dead. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of alludes to like the power levels being low too. 
Because, like, normally there's more of a fight, but we don't see, like, you don't see Rita Repulsa getting straight up murked halfway through a season easily. Like, Scorpius got fucking rocked in less than a minute. And Scorpius had implied with the whole cocoon thing, which is Deviat wants access to this cocoon really badly. There's, Scorpius has this cocoon that if you go into it and you spend time in it, you will come out extremely powerful, is the idea. And his plan is to give this to his daughter, Trakina, to allow her to succeed him because he already has this sense, I think, that he sort of hints at that like none of them are really powerful enough yet. Mm. Yeah. And uh, in this case, Deviat acts as like a manipulative, he's a behind the scenes manipulative person, I guess. Robot. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mega Deviat, Man. Deviat's been playing politics really well in this case. And he manipulates Scorpius to come out there in the first place. So yeah, he already got a hint at like, Scorpius ate shit. <laughs> like, Scorpius is like dwindling in power as he's gotten older. Um, and now that Trakina is gone on her own to like do power, I can lie and say that Trakina is on the planet and all this stuff, but actually he's she's not. And so uh, you know, bringing Scorpius out like that was a fantastic play by Devia. I thought that was really, really good. Uh, I thought when the Red Ranger was on top of Scorpius, he was going to do it to him. I thought we were going to see, like, Wind Waker style, <laughs> like, impaling Ganon through the head moment. Ooh. But with Scorpius, I deadass thought he was just going to do, like, the, the fucking <laughs> night killing there. Pig Slayer shit right there. I was like, bruh, had he done it to him? I was like, yo, What? This would have immediately jumped it to like a nine, in my opinion. I would have been like, whoa. But no, it was like a slash across the head. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you killed him. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. So with Scorpius dead, the Rangers go celebrate because they figure like, oh, things are going to be way better now. Um, in the meantime, though, as Kenzo has already hinted at, Shakina finishes her training, goes back to the bar, proves that she is now a whole new woman, kicks everyone's ass, goes, claims the throne before Deviat can, like, take over operations. The, the Rangers are, like, only able to celebrate for a minute before, like, they sense that, like, uh-oh, something's fucked up already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I... we. Like, peak villain shit, honestly. So good. What'd you think, Kenzo? You don't often get to see a villain in a vulnerable spot or, like, see the training montage, uh, which, like, I'm always a sucker for, like, that, you know, style of entertainment from Rocky. You don't often see that on the villain, so I, I, I love that episode because of that. And um, the one thing, though, is that the, the first fighting scene that she was in um like i get it that she was a bad fighter and like that was what they were trying to get at but it was like the slowest most sluggish bar fight i've seen <laughs> in any media ever like they aren't all teaming up on her they're all kind of going at her one-on-one -on -one. she has time to kind of fall and just lay there for a minute before she picks herself up like that i thought was just very low energy but in contrast to after her training yeah i guess it's just bad 
bad direction. Bad I would acting. rather <laughs> I would rather watch this episode than any of the bad Rockies. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'll give you that because the bad Rockies are exceptionally bad. They're real bad. <laughs> Where would you put Rocky Balboa? Uh, I, like I know three and five are bad, but is like Balboa better than three and five? I haven't seen it. Really? Yeah. That was like my introduction to Rocky too. <laughs> well, no, I think I saw Rocky two and I saw Rocky four when I was a really small kid. But yeah, I didn't. I never saw uh like five or the bad woods because everybody would just talk about the good ones so damn much. But yeah, no. I just like that. You know, they're focusing on Creed's son now in the sequels because that's it's the same story. But like Michael B. Jordan's awesome, and like it's just fun to watch the same shit over again. So kind of like just kind of divorcing it a bit from the Rocky narrative is nice. Yes. Yeah. And I agree to Trakita's credit, you know, her mentor character, Villamax is also really interesting of a character because he's powerful and he gets in the game. He, he scraps, mm. he scraps. And he basically like, at this point, he's like pretty much sworn allegiance to Trakina. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like totally down. He's like, I'm totally down with your mission. I think you're really hot. Like, yeah, sure, I'll follow you. Um, and Trakina also says <laughs> that, like, she didn't become powerful because she didn't go into the cocoon. She didn't want to be a complete insect. She wanted mm -hmm. to stay, like, this half-human, half-insect. She's like, how much humanity should I give up for power? And so she got this insect form. And it's kind of like a, I almost want to say it's like a Frieza moment for her. Except mm. it's not really a Frieza moment for her because, like, this would be like Golden Freezer, right? Where it's like, ah, I trained once and all of a sudden I got this really awesome, like, my power level grew tenfold, you know? Um, it, it is kind of, well, no, it actually, that that is kind of the vibe of this episode. It is kind of the Golden Frieza. Like, she's just, like, lived on a spaceship her whole life with, like, her dad, like, ordering around goons and villains, you know, occasionally going down to planets, but realistically just getting out of there when things get hot. It's like she she just goes out into the desert for like realistically this can't be more than like a couple of days based mm -hmm. on like how the episode like the rest of the episode seems to be paced. So like she's gone for like what two days training or something and like that's it like it just unlocks that hidden potential her power level skyrockets. Hyperbolic time chamber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think another this is like what like. I know I'm gassing this up because I don't think like Trakina's better than Frieza. I think it's really hard to no. be for a '90s villain to be better than Frieza. The only thing better than Frieza is like Rita Repulsa, right? In terms of like just iconic villains that did such a good job like portraying like being a evil person. But like, what if Frieza was relatable, right? Like at least like a little bit relatable, right? Uh, because she's like, yeah, like. I'm a product of my environment. My my father is an evil being. Why not follow in that path? Like, like if your parent was like the owner of like an entire galaxy, of course you're like that's a lot of power. <laughs> if I had control, if I had potential to get control of that, why not go for it? Right, we're not we're not faced with those choices as average everyday like citizens, right? So it's like, yeah, of course, of course, she's gonna go for it, but she still has that shred of 
morals that comes from like having compassion and being human can give you versus like being a cold insect, right? Because like insects are cold blooded. So like, you know, still having that sort of humanity play into all of this and then her just being like more progressively evil as time goes on, right? Because she doesn't really know what it means to be evil other than seeing her father do it. Yeah. Uh, it's it definitely get you kind of get the impression that like Scorpius is like a being of pure evil. Trakina is just like a being who loves being evil more so. Also, uh, Kenzo, uh, I understand you got to leave the recording a little early. So sorry to hear it. What do you got to plug before you get out of here? Oh, uh, well, I'd like to plug uh, my podcast uh, class time, which you can get at uh, patreon.com slash Kenzo Shibata, which is my name. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter under my name at Kenzo Shibata. And uh, on Twitch, um, you can find class time and YouTube and all those places too. We're, we're all over uh, trying to figure out where, where people are watching and listening. Yeah. Kenzo, real and quick, before you go, uh, what were your overall thoughts on the episodes that you watched? And uh, where would you rate them out of 10? And would you consider watching more Power Rangers in the future? It did spur some interest. Um, I, I think I'm going to go start watching from the beginning with the original series again. I highly recommend our filler guide. <laughs> I got to check that out. Uh, can I find that on your Twitter? Yeah, yeah. it's on at Sensei Truth or Twitter if you want the filler guide. We, we basically are oh, watching yes. Power Rangers Kai. so yeah i will check that out episodes i thought were pretty top-notch the well you know they're the one where we just were just talking about with the training montage i mean that's always top tier content in my heart um i'll give that an eight and the second episode to the power of uh, yeah i don't want to just to spoil at this point but um it was sad um i would put it up there it was uh it tugged on my heart a bit. So I would give that one also an eight. Awesome. Hell and yeah. uh, that's, that's pretty great. Thank you so much for coming on board, Kenzo. All right, Grav. Great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. All right, Kenny. Always a pleasure. Yeah, you take care. All right, you too. Take care. As we talk about the power of pink, a truly, as Kenzo said, uh, a, a moving episode. <laughs> I mean, not deeply, but like, this had some this had some merit on a few levels where you have this interplay between the psycho pink ranger and then these two pink power rangers uh Cassie from in space and uh Kendricks the current pink power ranger if i wasn't and- such a fan of magna defender over literally the rest of the rangers I would still think that the episode prior to this was better just because, I mean, okay, we, we've already kind of spoiled it a bit earlier on, but, like, Kendra's fucking, fucking dies in this episode, <laughs> and, like, it's, I don't know, I, I struggle to care, <laughs> I think is my point. Like, well, it's it, not it, that it's, it, like, yeah. acted bad, it's not that it's, like, written bad necessarily either. I think that Kendricks was underutilized in in the 29 episodes. And at this point, we're in the back half. We're even like a little bit less. We're in the back like 40%. And at this point in the series, it's just like you had we've already watched so many episodes with you and like 
the only episode that really had character development with Kendricks was the episode in where Maya and Kendricks like get into a spat over like Damon's birthday and stuff. Yeah. And and like Kendricks is held back not only by her lack of screen time because they mostly give it to Leo, but she's also held back by her facial expressions. And I realize that because even in the she's, moments that she's we, a mid tier actor, like even in the moments that we are supposed to care about her a lot or like care about what she has to say, she has like these like she comes at you with a, a snarl, right? When she's like in distress or something like that, when she was talking to Maya, I forgot what episode that was where she had to like treat her wounds. Um, she had like a snarl on her face when she was like helping Maya, and Maya's like, "Get the fuck off of me!" <laughs> like straight up and i'm like yeah nah i would act the same way if you fucking looked at me that way what the fuck but listen i think if we just put this in a vacuum it's a decent dramatic episode and would it have been better to do this same exact plot with stronger characters because we've got kendrick's who's eh, not that it's really entirely her fault, again, because, like, like you, you've kind of hinted already at, like, stuff that we'll get more into later in season and review. But, like, you know, Kendrick's is, like, this kind of low-tier-ish character in a lot of ways. And then Cassie was also a bit of a disappointing character. And it would have been nice. I mean, now, Cassie, I don't think necessarily needs to be swapped out. But it would have been nice to have this same scene with cassie and maybe you know like kimberly or something like that right like you know some some pink rangers that you could actually like more and then it would be like a really like a top tier episode but like if you don't let the meta get you down uh it's a good just like dramatic one shot on its own merits i think in a vacuum it is a very strong episode yes because the cinematography is fantastic and they had a yeah. really great use of like CGI and like even though they borrowed elements from Star Wars, I still think it was a okay use. Let's just I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> but and I I will say this is why it bumps over to the tenth power for me. To the tenth power was a really fun like super poggers episode. Like it was just like you're just going oh shit, the in space rangers are back. The action is on. Everything's exciting. The psycho rangers are here. Oh damn, it's everything you could have ever hoped for in an episode pretty much. Um on a lot of levels, but it's also not like necessarily quite as deep. It was like a close call for me though, honestly, as like that would be my third choice as like best for this season, probably. That was my third choice too. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like to the 10th power is really a, a, a pretty amazing episode on a lot of levels and has a ton of merit. But I just I thought the twist that oh, you thought the psycho rangers were coming back for one episode that the the two groups of rangers joining together just owned them completely. And that it was over. Um, But there's actually a twist. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's not the, you know, it's not the the big threat that you expect that gets you. It's the tiny thing that you forgot to check for. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, you, 
you took all the precautions uh, to stay safe from COVID, but then you get tetanus or something weird and die or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like some some kind of like just weird twist of fate where like the pink psycho ranger isn't dead at the start of power of pink yeah and it's a a mass effect ass like (laughs) like uh i barely survived (laughs) like right like it's like you you... well and they hint at the end of to the 10th power they hint that one of the psycho rangers is still alive but you just see a glove so you don't know which one it is and then at the beginning of this episode, it's like, I'm still alive, and it's the pink Psycho Ranger. And already, that's an interesting twist. Yeah, and the pink Psycho Ranger goes to back to uh, Trakina, and Trakina's like, listen, you're alive because of us. So, you know, like, obey me. And she's yeah. still like, nah, I, I, my mission is to destroy the pink Ranger and that alone. And the Psycho Rangers themselves were pogged up in uh in space so i'm always happy for some more psycho rangers you know like that was the yeah. best honestly the best like secondary villain in Z- in the zordon era i feel like the primary villains mm-hmm. for each season were really good don't get me wrong but that was the psycho rangers were by far like top tier like best secondary villains of the show right Nothing a villain for really an compares. arc yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus like a series arc or like a sorry, a uh, a season villain versus an arc villain. This was like a fantastic arc villain. Uh, so bringing them back for two episodes, great. Uh, Almost all the other Zordon era arc villains are ultimately forgettable. Master Vile, really? Yeah, Master Vile. Yeah, he's a, he's a little bit memorable, but even he like doesn't really come to mind as exciting as like the Psycho Rangers were like they pushed the power rangers to their limits and this was the most resourceful and powerful group of power rangers we had ever seen at the time important to note still... here yeah important to note here uh our levels were discussed because in the previous episode space red tells uh leo hey psycho ranger is like you but nega you but also twice as powerful and I was like, yeah, that makes sense because these Power Rangers, like, we're talking, like, turbo levels of, like, almost, like, just barely above, like, like their cannons could take out, like, a concrete wall. Like, I'll give them that, right? <laughs> Whereas a turbo, like, they would, like, cannon a wall and it just wouldn't budge or make a dent. Like, yeah, this one's a little bit stronger than that, but not, like, that much stronger, you know? No. And it's, especially since, like, the Space Rangers were, like, the most powerful out of the rest of them uh, in terms of, like, feats accomplished. So, yeah, no, this was a huge difference in power levels here, and I'm glad it was addressed. Yeah, I'm glad it was addressed, too. It was very interesting, just the whole episode, uh, this, this, whole, this whole series of episodes with, like, the Psycho Rangers coming back for this brief moment. So, Psycho Pink... Goes to Trakina and Deviat, and they're like, hey, this is what we want you to do. And Psycho Pink's like, nah, the only thing I care about is killing the Pink Ranger, period. And takes off. And Trakina's like, fuck it, let her go. Like, if she's just going to be like this anyway, let's just let her fuck shit up. We could do our own stuff, you know? Strong Um, decision. Yeah. 
honestly, great decision on her part, really. I agree. So Trakina lets it go, and uh, Psycho Pink just takes off. Psycho Pink comes up with this plan to try to acquire something called the Savage Sword, which the Power Rangers are also seem to be like minimally aware of and like looking for as well. And it ends up this race to get the Savage Sword. Psycho Pink gets it first. Because of like the weird shit that's going on with like Deviat and Villamax and and like what they're up to, like keeping the other Rangers occupied. Um, it's just Cassie and Kendricks there, even though there's like 10 Rangers and like this should be like an easy thing to like take out one Psycho Ranger conceivably. It's like, no, but there's only two Power Rangers there. And so basically the power level between because as we know, this was kind of just discussed the power level between having like Cassie and Kendricks versus Psycho Pink is like relatively matched ish. And on with no other factors, the two Rangers would be stronger. But Psycho Pink just acquired the Savage Sword, which is this blade that like gets more powerful and like visibly bigger and like gnarlier looking as it like consumes sources of energy, basically. Blood. Blood. <laughs> I thought it was kind of I thought it was fun. Is it like great? No, but like it's a kid's show, and I thought that was fun. No, you this know? was important. This was the best character development for Kendricks because Kendricks was the one that found the location of the Savage Sword. And Psycho yeah. Pink hit Kendricks at the right time to get that location. Because Psycho Pink knows it can't defeat the Rangers by itself. So Psycho Pink went out, got that Savage Sword, and then fit squared up against the two Pink Rangers. And uh, man, good stuff. Good stuff here. There's some really good fighting. A lot of good drama. Some of it's a little cheesy, of course, because it's Power Rangers and it's the 90s and it's a kid's show. But, you know, in the context, this is one of the better dramatic episodes in terms of like they're handling something a little heavy and they handle it OK. Is it 100 percent perfect? No, because they they could honestly give a tiny bit more gravity to the fact that Kendrick's fucking died. Like, <laughs> um, but they, they still handle it OK. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could give it that. So basically what ends up happening is, is that Psycho Pink ends up like acquiring the Savage Sword, gets stronger, is able to transform into the big kaiju. Uh, and, well, she destroys Cassie's Morpher also in the battling because yeah. they fight until Cassie's Morpher comes off and that way that sometimes happens Power Rangers when they demorph and like their equipment just like goes flying. Psycho Pink stabs the morpher with the savage sword to acquire more power and at that point becomes a fucking kaiju and is like i'm gonna destroy everything and like you definitely although they could have like done a little more to play this up you do get the impression that like psycho pink has just become like a boss tier character that could like be like a a you know that could like run a force the way scorpius was or something like that you know what i mean yeah, like like she's now on that level of power. Yeah, and it requires the Space Rangers and the Galactabeast to like come together and destroy this Psycho Pink. Kendrix ends up having to sacrifice herself to save Cassie because she she goes through this like force field that's um because the Savage Sword is what's giving the power 
to Psycho Pink. And the only way for them to truly beat Psycho Pink and get Cassie her morpher back is to get through this force field that's emanating from the sword, protecting it. I'm guessing that the Savage Sword is acting as a conduit to the morphing grid. Because the Savage Sword is impaling that morpher, the space morpher. Right. So because that is the case, the Savage Sword is then also acquiring the powers of the morphing grid, which is then giving Psycho Pink even more power. So there's like this like, you know, wave of thunderous en- energies that is just coming from this Savage Sword. And Kendrick's sacrifices herself to save Cassie by going through the force field and taking out the Savage Sword from the Morpher, which the energy that releases from all that kills Kendrick and turns her into a morphing grid ghost. Yeah, it's kind of an Obi-Wan Kenobi scene where she's like, you have made me more Listen, powerful I'll, than I'll, ever before. I'll always be with you. And then her spirit like joins with the sword and it flies into the sky kind of like, it's like a Dragon Ball situation where it's like the powerful thing. Once it's used, it just flies away somewhere and somebody else will find it. Um. <laughs> yeah, though it's kind of hinted that like the Quasar Saber is like where she is, right? Like the more she's in the morphing grid, but she's she's linked to that that Quasar Sword. Kedrick's spirit goes up into the air and the Rangers have to contend with grief of not only having lost Mike before, but now grief of, like, probably infinitesimal chance of Kendrick's actually coming back. And you just have to be okay with it. But in this case, like, they get some closure because Kendrick's is like, don't worry, guys. Gonna be alright. I'm good here. It's like, ah, heaven is a wonderful place, isn't it? (laughs) I'm in heaven now. Like, it's, it is a thousand percent alluded to that that's just heaven. Like it's not like it's not like like oh I'm a morphing grid ghost like no she's an angel now in heaven and like talking to us <laughs> yeah it's 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 a it's a thing <laughs> fashion is definitely like fashion it's way more fashy than this one yeah everything's you know the fashy undertones are everywhere unfortunately but it's still a good episode and when the rangers the two sets of rangers part ways at the end it's a little emotional and. Even Carlos you know, is they, like, I, I'm sorry that that happened. I wish that that didn't. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, you got to think back, like, if we're going to tie this all together, like, Carlos, this is like Carlos's fear is something like this. You know, if this happened to his team. Oh, if Cassie died and Carlos had right? to contend with that. Ooh. He Oof. would be broken. So, yeah, it's... It's just a it's just a really an episode with a lot of powerful themes. Um and whereas like to the 10th power tied the two seasons together in just like a fun way, which was great, this one tied the two seasons together in like a more deep and meaningful way that like was just a lot more I don't know. It had like some really some themes that I thought were really cool and interesting. It's and that's never why I've done before. It. Like we've had yeah. like fake ranger deaths, right? Like, like fake outs or whatever, where they're like, "I it couldn't die." What? And then it's just like, "Oh no, that it's fine." They, they, they went through a teleporter, came out the yeah. other ends. Everything's okay, you know. But in this case, no. Like, Ken just fucking died, <laughs> and, and, and we there's see a lot her of spirit, and she goes into the the sky, and 
That's it. That's it. And there's a lot of goofy ways they could have done it, and they didn't. They really, like, put the effort in on, like, almost every level in terms of, like, setting this up really well. Yes, I could agree to that. I for, just... for, for an action kid show. Yes, it, it is. It is. And th- that's, like, we're even talking about, like, someone fucking dying. There's spirit, like, saying everything's going to be okay and going up into the sky and everything. And, and I just, will say, I remember this shit. a fucking kid's show. I remember this shit a little bit for being a kid because, uh, keep in mind, I watched a little bit of the show all the way up to Lightspeed Rescue. I, I was watching less by this time. Like, I wasn't necessarily watching all the time. But, you know, like, even when you're getting a little older, it's like you put on Saturday morning cartoons or whatever sometimes, right? And, like, so I was still watching, like, Power Rangers a little bit up to the next season after this one as a kid. And so I do remember this and just being, like, a little floored, you know, as, like, a a, a, a nine-year-old or whatever watching this shit. Yeah. Ugh. Now you're getting some good old dose of existentialism at an early age. Um, I, I wish I could remember my impressions of it at the time more clearly, but I do remember seeing it, and I do remember this idea of this vague recollection of being like, damn. <laughs> damn, that's going to be me one day. I'm going to be a morph, morph ghost. Yeah, so I, I, I think Lost Galaxy is a... a a place of extreme peaks and valleys. The production value is relatively high in a lot of areas, which helps the best points shine, but the low points really let you down. And it's kind of interesting. Redemption Day and the power of pink to me are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Like it's two different times of them trying to do like significant character death this season. And one of them feels ridiculous. And one of them feels like, puzzle pieces fitting together in that sickening way you know and it's like yeah yeah definitely like just craziness but that's the thing right like they fucking lied right like they didn't play it conservatively with this space season because i think if we didn't get that we would have gotten a probably a more militaristic season which I would have not been okay with because that was definitely like the theme, the backup theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where yeah, if we the, didn't have the, the aliens episode proved that that was there. That was their other plan. Yeah. That, the, the, the backup themes to like, you know, character death and interesting, like, you know, characterization was like, Oh, we're just going to go full fash. So I'm really glad, and I was definitely worried about that from the intro episode that you guys definitely listened to, I'm sure. Coming into this, you know, and having already, you know, watched the whole season and did our best and worst, I will say that this was an interesting one to not only pick best one, but it was kind of like the worst ones were just notably worst because they went goofy with it and, and didn't stick the landing. Whereas it would have been bad had we like our worst one is the worst one because it's excessively boring, which is the other episodes that would have probably. Been. Yeah, I think uh, like the wor- there's a lot of bad episodes in this season, but they're all like fours for the most part. Yeah, they aren't like 
ones or twos really they're just like these kind of low effort like fantasy sci-fi romps that don't make a ton of sense but if you just sort of tune out a little are kind of fun to watch um, yeah it was it was those episodes where like like i said i don't know what the fuck they do with character development on the ranger side this season but like the differences between like the magna defender episode and some of the other like beginning episodes where they just they just ran sentai footage and dubbed over it with like a an americanized story just boring like i would like check out i'd mentally check out of a fight scene and then come back into it and it's still fucking going with the the damn like medieval quasi like orchestral superman-esque soundtrack so it had all of the feelings of those episodes in our worst episode but also like wow they they tried a storyline and it fucking (laughs) sucked (laughs) yeah like, how am yeah. I supposed to like this character now? But I digress. I really like Magnus. <laughs> I think if 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 his, like, character to the vet wasn't done so poorly, we would be talking about him as, like, oh, this is, like, a, like a, a really good Sixth Ranger, <laughs> actually. Nicholas Cage, Big Daddy? A-OK. So, yeah, and I, I take it your favorites were geared because of um just the whole like emotional sequences and the the rocky playoffs is that right i also thought that they felt more like they had the right tone in terms of like a lot of the stuff before this it felt like all these different tonal things kind of put together all these different aesthetics kind of put together in ways that didn't really make sense uh, we're having a horse battle in an open field on a space station. That might be fun to watch, but it's not fun to think about for more than a few seconds. It's um, funny to right? think about for more than a few seconds. Yeah, sure, it's funny, but it's not like... Like, it's just... It, you, you really, like, start to, like, think about it. It's like, this is goofy. And a lot of I, stuff felt like that. I can like name that. one change. Um, one change to that, that sleep episode, the sleep spell episode, that would have had you... Uh, make this uh, a favorite the easy answer which is the rock music have a morphing sequence for the horse (laughs) you know i think honestly my problems with that episode were more that just it did the conceptually it didn't make a ton of sense like it was a fun like a really fun and really beautiful episode it was just hard to reconcile that against all of the like why is any of this happening the way it's happening kind of feelings going on? Yeah. <laughs> Which is just typical of the early half of the season. But is it like a really fun thing to watch on a lot of levels? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. anyways, I started blasting. So anyway, <laughs> no, I get where you're coming from. I do. But uh, yeah, I, I just think that like the tonal difference after from heir to the throne on is that they are more consistent in like what they're delivering um and if if it's more power rangersy it's also a little more just sci-fi in like a sort of star trekky kind of like typical 90s sense instead of trying to do something weird and quote-unquote original that didn't make sense 
which is like sometimes showing spaceship interiors, sometimes we're just in a town. Like, no, like, let's do more stuff on it, like in these like moonscape rocky environments that always look like another planet to people's eye, right? And like, you know, do a little CGI so there's two moons in the background or whatever and that kind of shit. And like, that's fun. Also, just like the put all the putting all that together, like these episodes just were a lot more fun for me to watch than a lot of the stuff that had come before. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think like I'm really happy that we've gotten like even with your picks. The one thing I'm going to say from that, too, that I want to add on that these are positive character developments. Like, yeah, it's it brings a more hopeful tone to the show. Because Trakina, like, that whole Rocky montage with Trakina was not only fun, but it was, like, charming. Yeah, you can't help but be a little bit invested in this villain after that. Yeah, and, like, the episodes before that were really dark, gritty, serious, you know, type bullshit. Um, yeah. Because they, they dug themselves into a hole straight from, like, the first episode, right from the jump, <laughs> with the whole stowaway thing. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think we had our two different takes on this, where it was just like, I like the dark, gritty, uh, little bit stuff more. Like, oh my god, they went there. And this was more like, yo, this is that Power Rangers charm to its fullest. Let's go. So yeah. Different, yeah. Two yeah. sides of the same coin here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. What would you rate it? <sighs> like, okay. Let me, well, ra- let, me, let me go through and rate all everything. Let me just do it. So... Heir to the Throne, uh, which is Trakina's Rocky episode, that's like a nine for me. There was very little in that episode that I didn't like. I thought a lot of it made sense. I thought a lot of what the various characters did make sense. I thought that when we got to the end of the episode and it became clear that, okay, the dynamic for the rest of the season is going to be for, for the villain team is going to be Trakina with Deviat and Villamax as her lieutenants. This is going to be like uh, kind of like Astronema and Ecliptor. And uh, what was the, what was the other guy? Darkonda. Darkonda. This is going to be like those three again, but with like a whole new set of like character wrinkles and twists. That was a great dynamic before. I'm fucking hype. For an episode to get me hype, considering how bad things had been, means it's amazing. I should probably be giving it a 10. But there are some flaws. I I can't actually give it a 10. So I would say it's a 9. It's probably even just barely a 9 in some ways because, like, there are wrinkles. But I really have to, like, give it props because, again, it brought me out of feeling like there was no hope. Where would you rate it? Heir to the Throne is an eight. Thought it was a solid episode. I don't really have too much to say that's really bad that you, d- you didn't already cover, but uh, very unexpected changes um, what would have made it better. Honestly, I would have gave it a 10 if Red Ranger just impaled Scorpius. I would have <laughs> fucking, fucking lived for that. Um, yeah. But, uh, also just power metal, always, of course. Yeah, yeah. But it's just really bogged down, not by the villains, but by the heroes. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. Although at least, at least they made sen- some sense in this episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I will give them that. Whereas they they had some episodes in this season where they really didn't make sense at all. In this episode, everything the Rangers did made sense overall, and I I have to at least credit that like it didn't stick out the way some of the others did. The power of pink is more of an eight that I chose because of just the special nature of it. Would you say um, it's I a think nine it's, on its own and an eight relative to the rest of the episodes? Yeah. I was going to say the same thing, too. <laughs> like, I know you were thinking it, and I was like, I'm just going to say it. way to put it. It's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, I don't think I have a lot more to say about that episode, really. But the power of pink is just, like, there are some things that bog it down, and it's mostly in the meta. Um... And if you haven't been like, I bet if we asked Kenzo to like really get into it, like he would have just had like overall super positive things to say about it because he's not weighed down by any of the same fucking baggage that we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, yeah. And so like, I feel like if I could be free of that baggage, I would give it a nine. But because I can't, it's an eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say the exact same thing about the power of pink. I. I will say I was more negative. I was ready to give it an eight already from the jump, but my feelings on it are more negative and I knew it was because it's pretty undeserved to feel, to get like that big emotional response from Kendrick's, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but it was still done beautifully well and I respect that and Kendrick's did a good job with her performance and I respect that. So uh, yeah. I think if I watched it in a vacuum, I'd be like, fantastic episode, nine. Um, didn't like the Force Ghost stuff too much, but eh, whatever, you know, that's a nine. Uh, but I think, whatever. like, relative to everything, it's an eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what did you think about my uh, my uh, Magnet Defender episodes? Okay, so Silent Sleep, I would honestly have to give a seven. Okay. It's a fun seven, and I get it. But it's still a seven for me because there's just anytime I turned my brain on a little too much during that episode, I was like, there's some dumb shit going on here. <laughs> but if I didn't like think about it too hard, the, the good scenes are really good. And as far as like Magnet Defender being like that Nick Cage, like I'm a bad guy who's kind of good. I'm the Punisher kind of like sixth ranger it was one of the really the best episodes for that and like the scene between the magnet defender the scenes between magnet defender and leo of them arguing and fighting about what to do and not agreeing and not communicating were good really good if it had if it had all been at that level the episode would be like an eight or a nine easy too much awesome shit Turn your brain off, have fun, pog out, 9 out of 10. <laughs> uh, I'm I would be willing to say it's an 8.5, something like that, and just call it like that, just to compromise. I'd be, I'd be willing to go there. Uh, you, you could convince me of an 8.5, but some of those scenes are just so fucking beautiful. Magna Defender, whooping ass. Turn your brain off. Don't be high as shit when you watch it and just pog the fuck out. It's a nine. <laughs> as far as Escape the Lost Galaxy, I don't want to get like too much into the whys of this until our next episode, which will be the season in review. But 
it's an eight and it could have been better. The main flaw it has is the too end. much high concept shit crammed mm. together too quickly and the end. It might even be like a 7.5 for me again. I know I'm being a little rough. I'm not trying to be rough on your picks, Grab. I hope you understand. I understand. It's just that just like, like me. this is a weird season though. It is. It honestly it is, is a weird season. I would still, I would still ultimately give it an eight because it is very pog and high concept on a lot of levels. It's just that like, this is one of those situations where they maybe should have made this like a two-parter and done it a little sooner or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will agree. But then I just started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, Feel that. It's it's just I, I think the the action sequences are really good. I do agree that I think the acting could have been better. I don't think that the writing was that bad, but some of the acting could have been a little bit more sellable from the B the B plot. Or not the B plot, but just like, well yeah. The B-plot characters, you know? Mm -hmm. But too much high-concept shit that was executed really well that I think overcame some of the bad acting. Yeah. And, you know, Magna Defender, Mike, just, like, fucking going off the chain with this rescue mission. And also, like, this episode plays up a lot of the fascistic elements in a negative light that I yes. think warrants the higher score. Because... They were dead ass, like, gonna leave, like, all the humans that got captured was just like, oh, that's just... All the humans on Terra Venture that got captured that episode, yeah, straight up, like, the space colony was gonna be like, well, fuck them. We're gonna leave. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, all really that shit, up. like, all that fucked up shit that happens. And the Rangers were kind of sort of like, you know, if, if Mike wasn't in that situation... We also would have just been like, yeah, let's just hightail it out of here. You know, the there's a lot of, of like, there's a lot of like fascistic elements in this that I think make it warrant for a higher score, Kennedy. And I'm like, this really like shows I, I, it I'll on display. I'll give it the eight. I'll give it the eight. Okay. Yeah. I was like, it at least deserves but an I'm eight. I'm saying it's wavering though. I'm not going to back down from the fact that like. It's a soft eight. If, if it didn't, if it didn't have. Every element, it might not be an eight. You know what I mean? Like, it's really on the line. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, political elements to this episode where I'm like, holy shit, this is what they were trying to convince the, the viewer was okay. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's a lot of, like, really holy shit moments. Weird. There's a lot of high concept <laughs> moments. There's a lot of adult moments where, like, Villains are actively, like I said, villains are actively engaging in slave trade and all this other shit. It's pretty wild. It's pretty yeah, wild. Um, the only thing I got to say is the ending. The ending. Yeah. The so ending dumb. to this, depending on how I feel, costs it two points because it really affects. This is when it starts going down. That ending is a huge part of why this is like this is like an 80 out of 100. Yeah. type situation like you just barely got the b you know like it, anyway redemption day redemption is day a, is is a three for me it is it's also a not three. it's not the absolute trash pile that we've seen in some of our worst episodes from other seasons in terms of like as much as we shit on it they did execute certain parts of it well even if the concepts are just so dumb 
but the concepts are just so dumb and bad. Like, my God. And it's just not a good way to end the Magnet Defender arc or introduce Mike. And it's so disappointing because right before this, the episodes with the Magnet Defender are pretty good. It's for, for early season stuff. Right after this is, in my opinion, possibly the best episode of the early season, which is like the the Leo Mike, Leo grappling with, should I actually be the Red Ranger? Which like these kind of themes when the show explores them are generally fun. And like it's it's a pretty well done episode with the two of them kind of grappling back and forth and having some interesting philosophical conversations, neither of them being like completely unreasonable or unrealistic. Both of them kind of like just trying to come to terms with things as they are, you know, that's a pretty good episode. The episodes before this pretty good to have this be that pivot moment. Like I said, frustrating as hell, just this one of the goofiest episodes. And, and handling heavy themes in a goofy way. Just stupid. If it wasn't for the fact that it's a beautiful episode with a few good character moments and, like, just uh, some random other redeeming features, this would be among the absolute worst episodes we've ever seen. But the absolute worst episodes we've ever seen didn't even have, like, editing. So we can't really go there. <laughs> Yeah, so basically exactly what Kennedy said, but I will add some additional like reasons why. Literally after this episode, the music and the show gets better. Honestly, yeah. honestly, had this episode had, diddly, 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 you know, even from the Lost Galaxy theme, just fucking plaster Lost Galaxy guitars over this, and it would have been better than all of the earlier episodes by quite a bit of a margin, except the 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 silent sleep. It would have been another 4 out of 10 episode and then just the concepts that they tried to end Magna Defender on were just so bad. And bizarre. So I, I full on dead agreement, yeah. 3 out of 10. I'm very interested to go over our season in review about this just because there's like a lot of shit that I think we agree on is like terrible. I think what the biggest like question I have going into our season in review recording has to be like what is our end rating and where do we place it in rankings against the rest of the ranger seasons you know yeah there's a, there's a lot i want to say but we'll get into that next time really quick before we get out of here i just want to say it's you know really unfortunate that kenzo had to get called out of here as far as we know it was nothing life-threatening just in case anyone hears this later and is worried of course, it'll come out way later, so you know. But but we appreciate him so much for being here. And y'all should really check out Kenzo Shibata. Check out his show, Class Time. Support what he does, because he's an awesome person. And Kenzo, if you ever listen to this, we really appreciate you being here for the time that you could have been. Hell yeah. All right. Till next time, Rangers. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you. <laughs>